Hello and welcome to Making Waves, a radio programme about sound art on WGXC. Making Waves is a monthly radio programme produced by New Adventures in Sound Art, or NASA, for WGXC. In today's programme with me, Brian Connolly, you will hear from two of the featured artists from this year's Sound Travels event, which has been taking place all this week in Toronto. In separate interviews with Chantal Dumas and Sonia Passo-Rocchia, you will learn about the backgrounds and musical interests of the two artists, as well as their creative perspectives on contemporary art and the work that they have been presenting at this year's Sound Travels event. After each interview, you will also get the opportunity to hear some examples of the artist's work. Firstly, we will hear from Montreal-based artist Chantal Dumas. I once heard you speak about your fascination with the potential of a domestic radio player and how it is essentially just an empty box. But with sound, it has this incredible potential to take the listener to other realities and spaces. I was wondering if you could elaborate on your fascination with the radio and how you first became interested in this concept of bringing your listeners into other spaces. I think this is the starting point, in fact, <laughs> to bring the, the listener to a different spaces. Mm-hmm. Since I think I'm a kid, I like radio quite much. But I'm, I've been in touch with radio, I think that was in 84, some, uh, no, uh, 80, 85, okay. 1985. Then I moved in Montreal because I was in Quebec City before. Then I'm in Quebec, Canada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then right. I'm starting working in community radio, which is called Radio Centreville, and which was a still a multilingual radio station. But at that point, at that moment of the time, there was not many radios which were multicultural radio. Then already okay. being in, in this space, that was really bringing me somewhere else. I mean, I was for sure in Montreal, but in contact with the people from Greece, from South America and Spain, and from different regions of the world, and Chinese people, Asian people. And at the same time, being in this context was also to access to the culture and to access to the what is what you bring from your place when you immigrate somewhere else. Then I really appreciate that zone which was to be in the same space with different references behind. Yeah, uh, bringing all together in the way that we have to find a common field to discuss and to agree in many points that we have to deal with when you're on a radio station. Then this is contextual of the, the radio in, in itself. And um, from there, then I work as the day-to-day worker at this radio station. Then I was really into the sound of the radio, which was open in the room where I was. And I was like running upstairs if there was some technical problem and going up and down. (laughs) In some ways, I was always in the movement of that. And um, out of it, I have a background in music. And when I started doing some radio shows, that was more invited people to talk about their music and then their approach and I was more like a musical way at that time, yeah, feel at that time. But I really appreciate mm-hmm. improvisation and electroacoustic music. That means people who were looking for a different way to approach the sound in some ways. If you're doing improvisation, yes. you're more like free, and there is really a noise scene in Montreal, even this is like instrumental music. And also there was all this word I was discovering, which was electroacoustic music, which was to develop kind of sound which is more like a word of sound and bringing in different kind of perception and then being into that 
after a moment, I think I really felt that I needed to jump in the other side of the fence, I would say. And I started to doing my own piece, redo pieces, which were kind of fiction in some ways. I got some kind of reaction sometimes, which surprised me, saying, oh, it's a lot of ni noise. And th there is something happening there. It's working. <laughs> okay, then I would say sometime, I myself surprised by the reaction I got from the people. Working as a sound designer on different projects for people who are not used to hear the kind of work, the sound design I'm doing or the, the sound writing, this is the way I call that. And I'm working a lot with sound that I record, and this is mostly for many pieces, not all, but for many pieces, this is like the material, the ground material I'm using. And people get surprised to hear that from that, there is a writing which makes something understanding, and even we call that noise, the noise can be very significant. And the way we use it, there is a way to create a kind of organization which make it possible to hear and to understand what is going on in this kind of space yeah. artificial created. At the same time, when I'm when I'm composing something, there is words, and but not all the time. And even if there is some text, something said, which are the piece which has been done for radios, it's quite open. There is a narration which can yes. go from the. The text, but also the, we call that ambiences, which is a large word to include all kinds of sounds and some musical element and all that together are all those, I will say, three lines uh, or tracks are working together to create the story, I would say. And the way I see that, that when we listen to something, it's, there is what is given to be listened to. But at the same time, there is like this own repertoire, which is a, a bank of sound, a personal bank of sound that we have, that we yeah. know, because we are all living somewhere and then we understand what is going on with the sound and we learn it since we we're a baby. Then when we listen to something, we're listening to it, but at the same time, we connected with our own perception and experiences, I would say, with our oral uh, life and experiences. Then what I like to say that when we listen to some piece like the piece I'm doing, then I like that uh, to take the listener to bring them somewhere. But at the same time, if there is some kind of sound architecture or it could be a narrative, a different aspect which is given there, then the listener yeah. is taking this own path somewhere, which is sometimes not yes. related to what I'm giving to them, but what they know about those few maybe elements that they are taking to build something out of it for themselves. That's fascinating to me because I was 17 when I first found myself fascinated by the potential of music and sound in general in stirring a certain response in the listener, either emotionally or in terms of provoking or evoking a certain narrative in the listener's mind. And I remembered very clearly I was in school and part of the school curriculum was an analysis of Tchaikovsky's Romeo and Juliet fantasy overture. And the teacher said to us, OK, so if you listen here, you're going to hear the theme of the, the two families. And as you can hear, they're fighting. The two families are fighting here and there's a battle there. And this is the love section and this is this. And my re reaction was, how can this be a story when there's no words? 
And the teacher, of course, explained program music to me. And immediately I was, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was absolutely fascinating. And I find there's another level to this now with, with contemporary, you know, sound art and, and electroacoustic music and computer music that, you know, anyone that's not involved in, in, in our field, you hear commonly people saying, well, that's not music because there's no melody or there's no tonality, there's no rhythm. And I was wondering what your understanding or what your definition on your, in your own words of the word musicality is, Chantal. I'd love to hear what you feel musicality is. Oh, what is music? Music, it's like organized sound, which is the starting point. And what, what makes music that there is nuance, then you have like uh, very soft sound, very loud sound, and this is the dynamic of the sound. You get like a register, you can, you can have very low notes and higher notes, and we have all that in the city, even like the electricity, 60 hertz. What is 60 hertz? But this is, this is a note on the piano even <laughs> that we can find. Mm-hmm. Then you got also like a lens, then you have very short sound and picky sound, and you can have long sound. Then music is composed of also time. It's a time-based art. And this is this is what sound is. I mean, sounds we can relate it to instruments, but this is really something. This is also uh, every all the sound is kind of built in that way. And uh, what is a noise? But noise, this is kind of non-pitch. It's quite many frequencies put all together, and frequencies are notes, and then all that is kind of. Um, this this is music. After that, after mm. that, this is I think that uh, the the way that you organize it. This is the proposition. It can be a random music, but I mean, there is even something which is random. There is always a, a kind of structure, even it's quite open, and this is what mm. music is. Uh, you know, chords. I'm. I know it's a big problem for everybody if you don't have like uh, minor and major chords and with even mm-hmm. s- anyway with you can add like a seven nine and eleven and after that it's kind of terrifying mm-hmm. and it's people can say oh i'm afraid of that sound i say yes that's okay don't be afraid don't try to see in advance that will be happening just dig into it and there is a way a place to go and you can get out of this space as often as you want there is nothing dramatic nothing will happen to you the only thing which can happen you will be touched <laughs> and even if yeah. you like if you dislike that that means something happened to you i'd love to know what your first memory is chantal of listening to music concrete or sound art composition something that wasn't popular music at the time or something from a, a hundred years ago and what do you remember being your first thoughts or impressions of what you were listening to I told myself, wow, it exists. <laughs> 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 wow, this exists. That's that's terrific. <laughs> I cannot tell you what I heard first. I don't know. I don't remember that. The first time, there was the first, first time. But after that, there is repeating the experience and just uh, knowing new composer and doing some research. And I discovered at the same time on the contemporary music world and... And also I was quite, I'm still a bit less, but quite interesting, all this word music, not in the commercial way, but more like the stick to the, to the field where these things are created. 
I found it's very um, exciting and liberating at the same time. And for me, I said, okay, this is okay. the world of sounds and I, I could see myself projecting myself into this, this area and find a way trying to play with that. I don't like walls in, this, no. in the art territories. And if there is walls, just to put them down and to trying to open the space in all kind of sense and trying to make connection in different maybe area, different um, even field. And I think that this is really this idea that, okay, I can be free. There is a way to be free. Yeah. We don't have to stick into the rules, into the past. I will never be one of those great composers. This is not me. <laughs> I'm not yeah. a genius either. Then this is not where I will be acting. This is not the the path I have to follow. Mm-hmm. Then somewhere I was quite alone with myself before know that I discovered uh, this word, and I realized at some time that before I knew that I was hearing in myself something that I couldn't not express. But there was something in myself saying. There is a way to play with that in a different way, but I didn't know how to approach it. You said before that the composer needs a sense of urgency and motivation in order to start a project. And I was just wondering what your biggest motivator is when starting a new project yourself. And with what type of ideas do you find yourself saying, oh, I need to start this project immediately? You know, what type of idea would be one that gives you the most amount of motivation to pursue a new idea? Yeah, it's it's a very good question. It's always the the question we like to ask to each other when the people who are well, I'm the, the composer for sure, the sound artist, but also the the artist in different field. What is the starting point? I think it's never time. It's it's not always the same starting point. It can be quite different. Of course, that can be because you are working some work and suddenly you hear something. You say, okay, this is quite interesting. I would like to to explore that a bit more. Then that could be a starting point for another piece for me very often I don't know why exactly this is more like uh, for sure this is something I want to explore just to talk about the piece I'm working on then I'm fascinating about map it seems and I just realized that mm. the pieces I'm doing it's called Nazca plate that plate is one of the tectonic plate which is a south and it just besides the South America plate I'm doing an interpretation of the physical map of the world then I discover very interesting okay. things that the Antarctic plate is turning on itself in the sense of the clockwise at the speed of four centimeters a year. And it's quite autonomous, then oh. just turning very slowly and very close in contact to that there is a South America plate. And on the side, there is a Nazca plate. And the Nazca plate is going under the South America plate. It's why in the region of Peru and Chile, there is a lot of earthquakes. Then I'm just, uh, the, the pieces I will try to, maybe it's program music at the moment. That was a question I was asking myself yesterday. What are you doing, Chantal? <laughs> <laughs> and this is this kind of action that I'm trying to uh, bring into sound image, I would say. And then we okay. got like the trench, the Perushelli trench, and then we got like the movement of those plates and also... Then there is a word creating and like the dipness into the hurt where all the the conviction is going on. Then, then anyway, then I'm create the word which is at the surface and under the terrestrial crust. And I think that was the starting point. But this was also related to um, a previous project I have done before. 
Then I think, okay. which is like the count of the seconds of a deed, and that was a piece about time. And then I asked to 132 person, different people from age from six to 82 years old, and I got like 32 uh, different languages and dialects. Then people came to my place to perform to count the second of the day, which is 86,400 86, seconds contains in the day. Then they counted okay. at the speed of the second. That, that was really related to time. And after that, there is different way to present it in sound installation. And, and for radio, then I compress it through time zones. Then, then the structure was done also from like the population living in this specific time zone. And when there is like India or China, then there was a lot of people counting and more like a quarter and... When you are in the middle of the Atlantic, that's something like minus two, then there is nobody in the island, <laughs> then there is less voices. And then I think one, one project is linked to the other very often, not maybe in a direct line, that can be something which is quite aside. Then after talking about time, which is like the day-to-day -day or the second, the precision of this short amount of time, then after that I wanted to have the time, which is... The geological time, which is something quite large. For sure, the piece is not done at the speed of the geological, uh, mm -hmm. because I will not hear anything yet. <laughs> we'll say that okay. the people in one minute here will hear a few things. But <laughs> but what we know, even yeah. we are all the time kind of a trimester or something, because even the geological time, it's quite stretched. What we, as a human being, we, we, ex we experience what is like... Um, earthquake, for example, which is a consequence of this movement, then there is something that we can see as a human being, but we are not included in this amount of time, which is a geological time. But that could be a text, that could be something I hear, that could be like a space. Very often I like to listen to some recording and say, okay, I like that. I like this ambience, which is the night, and I like to bring something in opposition to it and create it like... Um, different space that can be more architectural space, which should be inside, outside, or that could be like the the life of the nature. It could be the frogs or something from South, uh, South America. I don't know. Then this is the way to bring, which seems not to be usual, and just to bring in a situation that will make people to listen to it. And at the same time, I like to compose kind of fiction. And all the time I mix everything together. <laughs> to bring it back to your one of your earliest comments about listening to the world around you on a day-to-day -day basis, just experiencing life and the world, how a composer will interact with the sounds around them, particularly a sound art composer, will interact with the sounds around them daily, will evolve because they evolve as a listener, you know? And do you find that the way in which you approach the compositional process has evolved with you over the years or would you find that you have always composed this way or do you think listening to the world and growing as a as an individual has changed your compositional process as a whole uh this is a good question it's not necessarily link to my day-to-day -day experience of listening but there is some piece which was like that there is a piece i did which was like the the little things of every day then the Les petits riens du quotidien, which means the day-to-day -day life, uh, little sounds that we listen to. Then that was referring to what 
I'm working at my table if the window is open and I hear like a bird singing or if I take some specific microphone giving me like the sound of the computer, then I like to, that piece was based on that. But I would say otherwise, mm -hmm. there is not necessarily some links about my experience of day-to-day -day life of listening and what I'm doing. But I can expect there is some... You know, when we compose something, you have to be in some way in your, in your mind, in your heart. You have to to be quite sensitive and to be open to what is going on. I mean, in terms of the material you are working with and the experience of what is to, to compose and trying to express something which is not all the time easy because we, we have to find, I don't know, what is the inspiration, which is a very not define words, but there is a kind of mood or situation you have to put yourself to be able to do this kind of work. And uh, I expect the place where I am, I mean, in terms of the, the, my apartment or the studio or the city or the experience of the moment has an impact of the way we'll be feeling the things. But I'm not sure it's always related to to the work which is appearing in front of me, which very often surprised myself, in fact. <laughs> because we are, we are working with something and we want to do something and when we listen to it, okay, it's not that. That means that there is a large yes. part of the work which is somewhat improvised. Then this is what I'm doing at of the course. moment. I want to create something, then i working with different some software, then I don't know exactly what they propose to me. At the same time, learning how to use Reactor, by example, and... And I'm getting some sound out of it, but I don't know exactly what that will be then. There is a part of, when, let's say, like interrelation, but anyway, the machine is proposing something, then working with and then changing the its organization. And yes, we, we don't know. If we know the piece before doing it, we'll not do it because it already exists. <laughs> then we have to, to okay. be surprised ourselves in the studio because there is no surprise. There yeah. is nothing just to trigger the, the imagination, I would say. Montreal-based composer Chantelle de Moss there. Next, which follows, are two sections taken from her work entitled Les Petits Riennes, Mechaniques du Quotidien. Thank you. 
What you have been listening to there were two sections of Chantal Dumas's work entitled Les Petits Rien Mechaniques du Quotidien. Up next, we are joined by Sonia Passo-Rocchia. In this conversation, Sonia explains her earliest experiences in music and performance before explaining her passion for communication and sharing within her music. In Quebec, here it is um, something for children called Passepartout. It's music for children, but some of the music is quite impressive. And some are like, yeah, you have like people singing, but at the back, it's clearly some electroacoustical music and some stuff can be quite unexpected as like, oh, that's music for children. So I didn't really realize at that time what was happening because that's really uh, maybe five or six or something like that before I even started to learn the piano. But I heard uh, the music later on and I thought this vinyl, I did listen to it so many times that it's in a hopeful state now. And it was on like a Fisher Price uh, turntable that was kind of brown and orange. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think uh, probably this without me realizing it was putting something some seed somewhere in my head because my my family is not really in uh, music much so it's not like something that my parents will like teach me or something like that so i think this was uh if you speaking about very early memory it was probably the the first one and can i ask you sonia when did you first become interested in the act of performance, either yourself performing piano as you learned as a child or by watching people perform on stage in any capacity? Well, I did a bit of piano, but I, well, I don't remember like thinking the uh, concerts were like something that I really enjoyed. <laughs> oh, I remember something interesting. I was in third year of high school and I had to do like to speak on the front of the class and it made me sick, like literally. Um, (laughs) I didn't really want at all to do that, but I I made this big project for, for that year where I read like Mozart bio and I decided to present him like if I were his mother. So as I dressed up and decided to, I don't say my son, blah, blah, blah. So that's maybe the first little thing, like a bit performance that I actually, <laughs> even if it's hard, I enjoy doing. And I did after that, not much after I started uh, saxophone and flute in high school, jazz band and wind orchestra. And I did really like enjoy that a lot. And one thing I noticed there is that they would all be traditional, conventional musical instruments. And one thing I've read and I've noticed about your work is that, of course, that you are interested in the use of non-conventional instruments in your work. When did you become interested in actively seeking non-conventional musical instruments? Well, that's a label that... uh 
with Portide, I found really actually kind of hard to see the real difference. <laughs> but yeah, yeah yes, I, I remember like doing a show where I had to play the guitar and I started to try to blow inside the strings. And this, I maybe I was 15. So right. that's the start of like, oh, something there. I started to do composition, well, before I knew I was doing composition, it was kind of funny. I already was annoyed when people didn't know who did that music and where it came from, but it was from my head. So it was, uh, that that was uh, uh, something like, it took me a while before I, I thought, like I was maybe nine or 10 and I was like, yeah, nobody knows that tune, but I do play it and I know like it was in my head and I played it. It took me a while before I realized that it was a bit like a drawing where you could draw something that nobody drew before. <laughs> so that was like the first composition. And when I went to college, that's between high school and university. In Quebec, we have two years in between. I wanted to do composition in college and it was not, you, you would do music but not just composition or like, didn't have much program, but I found one and the composition teacher just like found something in me, just really wanted me to be in, in the school and he pushed actually a bit so I could be in the school. But my, my music was, I mean, it was childish really, uh, the way I was composing mm -hmm. at that moment. But the composition classes were instrumental and electroacoustical music. And I didn't know anything about electroacoustical music before I went to that <laughs> composition class. And I, I learned about okay. the music at the same time I was trying to make some. So yeah, that's 16, 17. And I started to play with uh, with everything. So I could make sound for having some material and learning how to record stuff. And uh, doing so, I found the underground and bus card at that moment where a bit, uh, they were flexible and you yeah. could make a sound out of them. That was a bit... <laughs> and I decided to write a piece for seven card players um, um, with each one needed a microphone and well the the one in the middle was like the the sound of its its microphone would be in the middle and the one completely at the left would be back left and it uh, so if I, they will play a wave of like whoop, 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 but the public will hear the wave going from left to right let's say so that okay. was a graphically written piece for about 500 cards playing by seven card players. And I think that's the first, uh, my first hit. <laughs> you had studied natural sciences and music together. And I wonder, did your studies in natural sciences influence a desire to investigate the resonant properties or sonic potential of things that we wouldn't expect to make musical sound. But I wonder, did your, um, do you think that your studies in the natural sciences at all made you appreciate alternative materials, I suppose, um, a little more, would you, would you think? 
well, later on, I studied a bit of uh, psychoacoustical, um, and it really helped me to have a, a, a science background to, to learn them. And yes, now these days, when I do try to make instruments, I'm thinking a lot about the f- sound, the physics of it. But I would not say, like, you know, it's the chicken of, or the egg. I think I'm someone okay. who is artistical and uh, has uh, a grasp on, on sciences too and it's like where I am it's not like oh because I know I, I learned science that I'm thinking about music that way it's more harm I learned science because I'm thinking that way and I think music okay. that way I mean I, I, I think I have an artistical way to approach maths <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a bit of a a bit of a science, science in uh, the way I approach art and music, composition, etc. I think um, the u- human is really important, the communication, and I I actually try to get uh, those sounds to find a way to make sounds to share and communicate with other people. I understand having looked into your approach to to your compositions that you have an interest in audience participation and it was a question that I wanted to ask you already and in the course of this interview so far Sonia you've said sharing a number of times and you also said about communication with the listener it seems that it is something that is very important to you could you perhaps elaborate on the role or the importance that communication and sharing has for you within your art? Well, it seems to be more fundamental than art. It's just like living or like, why are we doing art if it's... (laughs) Yes, somehow, maybe sometimes it's not for communicating to a lot of people, but it's somehow it's about that. We are like... um, an animal who who likes to be with other of its kind. It's like it's important in a really intrinsic being of being human, I guess. So I don't know if it seems important because it feels like that's the way to be, but I don't know. Would you say that that is what really influences your interest in audience participation then as well? Sometimes I do stuff and I feel that uh, it's more for people that are my my peers and people who know what I'm doing. And, and sometimes I have enough of that and I want to do stuff that are more for everyone. So installation is really good for that, I think, because installation, particularly when they are like in not necessarily in galleries or nice and tidy places, but outdoors or uh, or somewhere, people will, will just like be on the front of th- that and wondering what's what's going on. And I found that I could actually make people think, explore much further than I expected with installation. Well, in other hand, things like audience participation or where like people like I mean I'm thinking about a piece with balloons where I ask people to play the music 
So you you arrive in the the room and you're given a balloon and depending on the color of the balloon you go at somewhere and you have a, a part where at first you have some explanation how to play the balloon and after that you have kind of a part that's actually like a bit in the idea of a powerpoint that just like projecting a part that change by itself and people are actually okay. playing the music and they have fun, they laugh, but actually what they are doing is sounds and it's um, not something they usually do. I'd love to hear finally, Sonia, if you could tell us in some further detail about this object response project that you are presenting to us at Sound Travels this year. So this one is, um, it's a lot of little things. So. It's mainly about metal and saws as a sound material. So I use saw blades for a circular saws that actually are a bit gong-like sounds. And I use musical saw like carpenter saw that are like the same thing actually, a musical saw and a carpenter saw. <laughs> Um, so in, in that way, and I, I used to some uh, of my own instruments that are based with the same idea. I have one that's called that I call a stem saw, that's actually like a musical saw, with, but with stems or nails. We we could say little, little that I welded on it, and I can pluck them or bow them. And it sounds a little bit uh, like a water phone uh, and a musical saw too. I decided to restrict myself to that area of sounds, so metal and saws. So I have to, uh, what I would call, um, it's not a frown instrument, it's like an instrument I made without thinking I was going to make an instrument. I was welding and I used a saw, tickle saw blade, not to burn the table I was welding on. And the stuff I was welding together welded itself to the saw. So I have like some pins and bits of wires <laughs> out of the saw. And it actually is, well, an accidental instrument that is quite nice actually. So I can bow those bits and plug them and it's interesting. So that's for the sound, basic sound making, but I have an installation with uh, these uh, circular saw blades that are played with solenoids. So little electromagnets that do tock, 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 a bit like when what you have in a door chime, ding, doing. It's uh, this little, um, electromagnet that will take a little kind of bullet and pull it to a piece of metal to have this thing. So I have like a few of those saws that are played with those solenoids and actually they're automatons, they can play by themselves and I can make a kind of little compositions that are like going from one to the other. That's the uh, installation but I can play them with a controller so instead of really playing them with a stick or something I play a controller that will play the solenoids and they will do ding on the um, 
de ça. But they don't just do ding, they couldn't do ding, some stuff that I will not be actually capable of doing with my own hands. So a part of it will be with those uh, automatons that I'm kind of playing them. And with playing with them, I had questions about what's an instrument and what's a musician? Because an automaton could be uh, like if it's um, well designed or like when you have like some uh, a nice design behind it, you could actually think about it more like an automaton of a musician because it's playing an instrument. But if it's really simple, like just a thing and then pressing a button that does thing, the organ does that sort of thing where you press the keys and a lot of things happen and the sounds is out. So everybody is okay with the idea of an organ is an instrument and an automaton can be like an automaton of a musician. So if you go in somewhere in between, it's um, an interesting, you know, this gray area between instrument and musician when you're speaking about uh, technologies. So I, I'd like to be able to say to my, my automatons, not necessarily with words, but ask them, do something a bit like that. And if I asked, do something a bit like that, we are getting closer to do musician. Actually, it's kind of an improvisation or let's say improvisation because I have uh, quite clear ideas of where I'm going to go. But it's uh, a lot of places where I will have something like, oh, do a three or four minutes of um, playing with uh, Stemsa. <laughs> and actually in those few minutes, I will maybe look at the people listening and see how they react and react to them and get them influenced by uh, the way they're enjoying or not what I'm doing <laughs> or the way they look at each other or something like that. And well, all that is, of course, because I like a bit of effects sometimes. That was composer Sonia Passorokia. To close this programme, you will now hear a recording of a performance of Sonia's work entitled Cease the Tonde.
And that was Sonia Paso-Roque there with a live performance of her work, Sista Tondeth. You have been listening to Making Waves, a monthly radio programme produced by New Adventures in Sound Art for WGXC. This episode was presented and produced by Brian Connolly.